0: Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking to sports scientist at Leinster Rugby, Peter Tierney, and Head of Academy Strength and Conditioning at Leinster Rugby, Joe McKinley. tuned in to episode 223 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So a really interesting episode today. So we've got two people. So we've got Peter Tierney, who's a sports scientist at Leinster in the senior team. And we've got Joe McKinley, who is the academy strength head of Academy Strength and Conditioning also at Leinster Rugby. So a real mix of expertise and also from the same club but different areas one academy one first team so really interesting chat so in this chat we discuss a really interesting subject when it comes to developing young athletes and that's getting the getting the lads ready for for the long-term process but also getting them ready on the short-term process just in case they are called up to the senior team so that balance of long-term athlete development and development for now. So really interesting chatting to get their both both their perspectives coming from a senior and an academy point of view. We also discuss the relationships being built um, around the, the player during their development and that's with the head coach, their, uh, their coach for their age group, maybe their physio, their strength and conditioning coach. And we also discuss uh, monitoring load and actually aiming in the academy to mirror the load in the first team so that the guys are ready to make that step up. So some really interesting chats um, in this in this episode which I hope you'll enjoy with Peter Tierney and John McKinley.
1: Without getting bogged down into supposed to you know the normal S and C stuff, it's profile l player is both physical mental, moral and all that, but I think the, the the main thing we need to do for the player is, is clear the mist, you know when we're, when we're speaking to coaches about a player I think we have to be as colourful as possible you know, so the play, the senior coaches understand the player in and out you know, they understand, you know all the context about the player, the player's playing experience, you know um, his training age, where he comes from what has he been exposed to before but then for speaking to a player it's quite the opposite, I think we have to be very black and white
0: this episode of the Pacey Performance Podcast is sponsored by Eccentric. So Eccentric are a Sweden-based company and is a developer of the groundbreaking flywheel training tools, the K-Box and the K-Poly. And since its founding in 2011, Eccentric products have gone on to be used in Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, NFL, NBA, a number of uh, other leagues around the world, including the EPL, where Leicester City, Chelsea and Arsenal are among the customers. So just to give you a brief bit of background on flywheel training with the K-box and the K-Poly. So backed up by multiple academic research studies, it's been shown to increase strength training effectiveness by not relying on gravity but the inertia of the flywheel. So that improves the efficiency of training programs while lowering the total cost as compared to traditional training methods. So, if you'd like to know more about Eccentric's products, the K Box and the K Pulley, head over to their website, which is eccentric.com, and that's spelled E X X E N T R I C dot com, or follow them on Twitter or on Instagram at go underscore eccentric. This episode of the Pace of Performance podcast is also sponsored by iMeasureU, who are a world leading inertial sensor and software platform which is able to quantify body movement and workload metrics in the field. So, iMeasureU is used by leading biomechanics researchers worldwide to capture and compare multi limb. Inertial data in the field, so I you recently released IMU-Step Which is a dual sensor and app solution for lower limb load monitoring And has been used successfully by practitioners to optimise return to play for running base sports predominantly So unlike GPS, IMU step focuses on lower limb musculoskeletal load and works via two really small synchronized high frequency tibial worn sensors. And these sensors can quantify three-dimensional force of every step an athlete takes, precise left and right limb load asymmetry and cumulative bone load. So iMeasureU was founded by leading biomechanist Dr. Tor Bazir and was acquired by Vicon last year in 2017. So iMeasureU works with military, Olympic, pro and collegiate coaches and counts the Australian Institute of Sport, uh, Philadelphia 76ers and Harvard University as some of their clients. So if you'd like to get to know a little bit more about iMeasureU, head over to the website which is iMeasureU.com or follow them on Twitter at iMeasureU. So without further ado, over to the episode with Peter Tierney and Joe McKinley. Thanks for tuning in to the Pacey Performance Podcast. So it's 20 to 8 on a Wednesday morning and I am absolutely delighted to welcome Pete Tierney and Joe McKinley from Leinster Rugby. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Welcome, Rob. How's things? Cheers, Rob. Thanks for having us on very good thank you very much so we're gonna um we're gonna go for probably about half an hour on this got a couple of topics to, to cover before you two need to need to actually get in to do some work but just before we do get into that we'll probably start with you pete do you want to give us a bit of a background on yourself who you are what you do at leinster and then then shoot straight over to joe and then we'll get into the uh into the chat
2: sure so um peter as as you've just uh, introduced me as uh, i'm a sports scientist here in leinster ruby so this is my fifth season with uh, Leinster, um, so I'm in charge of the sports science GPS side of things, and then I assist in the strength edition protocols as well.
1: And uh, Super. I, I was more. I'm more of a recent, uh, uh, recently joined Leinster. Um, so I came from uh, Donegal originally, but uh, this is my second season with Leinster as the uh, the, the the head of S and C for the academy. Excellent. So, Pete, what
2: did you do before? Leinster.
0: You came straight um,
2: from uni. So I actually, yeah, came straight in from uni. So I did an undergrad in, in sports science in UCD, and then um, got an internship opportunity at the end of that. Ended up doing so. My first year here was uh, full time as an intern, and then um, I stayed on. I got offered a job here, kind of midway through the intern year. So
0: nice. What about you, Joe? So you were at Donegal. What were you doing, Donegal?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I went to. Um, I'm from Donegal, I
1: went to college in Limerick, um, uh-huh. so I graduated from a sports science degree in Limerick, and I actually uh, started working with Munster Rugby first, so I was with Munster Rugby for probably um, six, seven years between interning and working kind of all the way through the long-term athlete development pathway from um, age-grade rugby to sub academy to academy.
0: Excellent. So... We'll have a little chat around that academy academy system and the, and some of the things that come up um, that I've been that I've been exposed to as well in terms of uh, working in academy, not in rugby, but in football, but similar things still apply. So one thing that we've chatted about beforehand, I think it might be a really good place to start is from an s from and point of view, from a physical point of view, from a player development point of view, is the long-term development of a player and having that Obviously, at the front of your mind, but also the short-term readiness of that player, if and when that player needs to step up into the first team. So, striking that balance. I just want to talk to us a little bit. Probably start with you, Joe. Start um, talk to us a little bit about how you manage that and how you do keep that long-term um, development at the front of your mind, but also keeping that short-term. Um, readiness going at the same time because you've obviously got coaches to please and, and whatnot because people might step up. So a little bit of insight into that would be superb. Yeah, um, I suppose yeah, you know, what we do
1: well here at um, at Leinster is, is is probably around the management of that. So when we have an academy player um, within the IRFU as a whole, there's probably twenty to twenty two academy players per province, and uh, a lot of a lot of provinces then would have maybe a second tier to that then like. What what they call their sub academy, um, and then below that again they would have their age grade squads. So with our academy, we would kind of keep that quite segregated from our our uh, sub academy system and our age grade system, and uh, would have a very strict sort of graduate scheme into that into that academy, which was predominantly based on physical competency. So that when a player is quite physically ready um, and mature, he's he's in the academy system, and uh, the academy system is based. Alongside or just under the professional senior team, you know, so that keeps them. It keeps them in that umbrella or in that sort of um, that senior setup. Um, and then the sub academy players are in a, a different centre. Um, they're in a different part of Dublin, just training um, in a more of a development group as well. So there's kind of two tiers for academy. Which, if a guy is not physically ready, you know, is way off the pace, then he he remains in the sub academy system. So. I suppose their SC journey starts a little bit earlier, a lot like before they come to me. So they've probably started their SC journey, whether it's in a school system or in a club system or sort of through our um, sub academy system, um, maybe two to three years at, at least before they come into the academy. So they're probably at a level where they're not a, a million miles off playing professional rugby, but the gap is still quite significant. Um, so when they come into me, then I suppose there's a number of processes that would I'd have to go through first and foremost before I analyse the player. I'd probably have to consider the pathway that's ahead of them within Leinster first and foremost. So what does the landscape look like from a Leinster perspective um, and what players are going to be needed and more importantly, when? So for example, when we... When when there's an international game on or an international camp, then you're looking at maybe 18 to 20 or 22 players um, leave Leinster and go into the national senior 15 side. So all of a sudden then academy players are needed, you know, so we're trying to work back from that sort of that sort of point and figure out, well, when is an academy player going to get his opportunity and when is he he's when is he going to be needed? And then it's a matter of working back from that point with the players that you have. So let's just say, for argument's sake, it's back rows or, or sevens or something like that. Then we know that maybe, you know, this Six nation period or the next World Cup period, you know, a lot of our senior back rows are going to be with Ireland. Then we need to start filling the gap with academy players or development contract players. And then we start planning their journey from the end point and work back. So if I have a young second row or a young back row, then I'm suddenly thinking, is he in a position to play for Leinster come Six Nations or come um, September for the the 2019 World Cup? And if he's not, then, you know, I need to, we need to plan that journey, you know, a little bit more. a little bit strictly, like, you know, so it could be from a rugby perspective or a strength conditioning perspective. And then that'll start a conversation nice and early then with the coaching staff um, in trying to prepare that player. So it would be me sort of sort of trying to solve a problem before it ever happens, you know, so not just waiting to a point where, you know, Leo or Stuart or somebody will come to me and look for a player and go, oh, you know, we're going to bring him into senior training. Um, you know, and if he's if he's way off the pace, then, you know, I'm going to be in a little bit of bother. Where it probably needs to be two years in advance or maybe, you know, 18 months in advance. I'm actually going into Leo and shirt and going, look, I have this young player, let's just say it's a back row or a prop, you know, I reckon you're going to need him. He's going to do a great job for you come, you know, next September or during the Six Nation period. However, this is what he needs in the meantime. And it's a matter then of just sort of soundboarding your situation off the, um, Off the senior coaches and nine times out of 10, they'll agree with you anyway, you know, because they want the player to come up and they want the player to do well. And I suppose that gives you an opportunity then to streamline your thoughts on how to develop him appropriately, you know, and um, yeah, that sort of paint that sort of picture for the coaches. And then, and then it allows you time then to work back from there. But like you have to be, you know, myself and say the Academy manager, we would have to be two years ahead of the curve with developing developing Leinster players so we have to be in a position to realize then you know so who's the current we'll say number one prop in Leinster and then walk back from there and go right so if he's gone to national camp who moves up next and who moves up next and have we got an academy player to fit that you know pro 14 squad or be on the bench for that pro 14 squad and if we don't then we need to start looking below in the sub academy and go well you know who's down there and what needs to be done there you know and you might you might have a gap in your in your in your in your system somewhere you know you could have um you could have maybe a year three prop here in the academy and you mightn't have anything else below that for a while so all of a sudden you're you're, you're not scrambling because you have loads of time but you're putting a lot of investment then into the physical development of of other props maybe in the sub academy so that in two or three years time by the time they get here you know, they're, you've, you've thought out their journey a lot, you know, a lot better. It's a little bit of a ramble around the, around the topic area, um, but I hope that sort of makes sense of of the long-term development notions that go through my head. And like I said, that's prior to even profiling the player
0: that you currently have. You know, you have to profile your squad first, first and foremost, you know. So, in terms of in terms of physical differences between that sub academy and the academy, is it age, is it just age, or is it all based on ability before no, they it's, progress?
1: Um, well, it, it's, I suppose it naturally starts with age. So, when it when a yep. guy exits, we'll say secondary school age, or he leaves school, and maybe he might be going into first year university, then he goes into the sub academy. And ideally, you give everyone a year in the sub academy before you offer them an academy contract. The academy contract, I suppose, it's three year contract or three one year contracts, we'll say. Um but definitely for your forwards, especially in your props, you want to give them as much of a development window as you can. So you want to give them a full year of academy or sub academy and then give them three years of academy. That's probably the you know the most responsible thing you can do. But obviously in the world of sport, you know, you would have, you know, contracts on the line or maybe other clubs offering contracts, things like that, then you might have to contract a player quite early, you know. But we would tend to like if he was, if we he was contracted and he was physically, you know, quite young. We'll say uh, a training age of one or two. Then we would leave him in the sub academy. You know, it's sort of, I suppose, out of sight, out of mind as well from the coaches from the coaches' eye. Because you mightn't want him in that shop window when he's completely underdeveloped. Because you don't want to put him in a situation, you know, where you know training is too much for him and he, and he can't express himself. You know, so we would tend to keep him in the sub academy where we can. Do, we would have sort of like ability to work on exactly what we want to work on with no interference. And uh, we would leave him in there for a year before he'd come up to the academy.
2: Rob, Rob I think one of the words that Joe used there was streamline. So one of the, I think, the advantages here is that when guys are in the academy, we're in the same building as the senior squad. So even from a staff and a player point of view, all of the senior squad and academy players are in the same building. So <clears throat> from time to time, if uh, some of the senior players are being managed, Leo or Stuart, some of the senior coaches, might go, look, Joe, we need these couple of players to fill a couple of gaps in training. And they get sort of drip fed in sort of even in even in windows where all of our senior players are here. So I think the advantage of having everybody in the same building is definitely apparent for guys kind of transferring from the academy into senior squad from a training point of view, because all the players know each other as well. So when they come in to train with the senior squad or they end up playing and they get their first cap somebody gets injured they slot in it's pretty seamless um, they kind of know what's going on they know everything that happens in the gym they, they're in meetings they're in walkthroughs and stuff so I think that's a real advantage that,
0: that we have here That brings on to another topic that I know we hadn't ch- we hadn't chatted about but it probably be only brief I know there's a lot of clubs that have two separate sites and have you always had guys on the same site so academy and seniors on the same site or has that changed recently? Yeah.
2: No, that's always been the case since um yeah. since you moved to U C D. Um, we've always had guys in the same in the same building. So Yeah, okay. Um, I know the, uh, to be fair on. Joe, sorry, what Joe said about the academy being in a different part of Dublin, like they are literally only say five, ten minutes down the road. So the transition from them to the academy or like if they're needed for training and stuff like that isn't a huge journey. It's like it's a five minute drive up the road and, and they're here. So I think that is a pretty big advantage for us.
0: Yeah. So, with everyone been in the same building? Do you find that that um, there's, because there's no there's no separate location or separate or division, there is what I'm trying to say is in, in a lot of clubs over here, you'll have two separate sites, and to, to have to, to get the call to go to the another the, the the first team site is like a huge thing, but because you're on the same site everyone's kind of intermingled everyone knows each other which is great but there's not that oh I might be wrong because I've never been in that situation but there's not that real sense of stepping up because everyone knows each other anyway I suppose there's, there's pros and cons but I guess it works for you in terms of everyone's together and everyone knows each other yeah I think the key there really is like you know we got to take off our
1: s hat for a moment and go Physical conditioning is one thing, but there's the whole mental conditioning and moral conditioning of, of the players too, you know. So when we, every every team has a vision or every team has a you know a type of culture that they want, you know. So exposing the players to that early is, is is critical as well, you know, so that the players, you know, they realize the standards of training very quick. They realize, you know, they're talking to coaches a lot more, they're going to meetings, they know what the coach wants, you know. So, you know, they're creating a picture of what do I need to do here? You know, and that'll, that'll feed, that'll feed into their own appraisal and their own, you know, sort of reviewing of themselves when they get their head around that as well. You know, so that, that's key. Like, it is a huge advantage, you know, and and there's, there's huge merits to it.
2: I still think there's a part, like, you know, there's, there's still a part of players that they're here and they're in the same building in the gym and stuff, but they're not always training with the senior squad. But when they do, I still think there's a bit of, like, excitement that they still have a chance to go, okay, I'll get a chance to prove myself in training here and train with the senior squad. So there's still 100%. a little bit of that. Like, well, yeah, the, like the players are, like, they, they know that, okay, like, I have a chance now in training, and it might be for an extended period during, say, an international window, or it might just be, like, one or two days at the start of the week. So I think they I think they still have that sort of, okay, I get to have a crack now. And, uh, yeah. like,
1: for example, like, um, when I started here first, like one of the first things I did with the players was I brought them in for a meeting. And uh, as cheesy as it sounds, I, I compared the, you know, the, the road to, say, a senior contract like Mount Everest, you know. And I, had, I described it as like, you know, when you're climbing Mount Everest, it's a case that you, you know, you leave base camp and you go up to, say, you know, camp one and you acclimatize for a while, and you come back. And then you go up again, you can stay there longer, and you come back. And then you move up to Camp 2, you acclimatize, and you come back. And uh, so I explained to them, you know, that, and I suppose it's managing their expectations in a way, that you're going to get called up, you're going to be there for a short period of time, but you're going to come back, and you're going to, you know, you're going to work hard again, you're going to be told what to work on, uh, you're going to get feedback when you're up there. So, And that could be a small window, like, you know, there could be a Monday, Tuesday Irish camp, national Irish camp, and for Monday, Tuesday, we need extra players in the pitch. So that that's two days where where the co- where the players will be brought in, train with the remaining senior players, and then get dropped back into the academy come Wednesday. And I suppose what our senior coaches do very well here, uh, Leo and Stuart and the lads, would be sort of reset the sort of like the culture as soon as the academy players will come in. You know, so Leo even there before the November series brought all the new players in that would be used for training and just went over the club's values and the club's just general standards and cultures and got the younger fellas to introduce themselves um you know and simple little thing like you know what is what's your first memory of Leinster and then went around and asked some of the senior players as well and sort of broke the ice for them
0: yeah
1: yeah that's the, i think that was that was excellent because it just meant guys suddenly you know they were embarrassed by having to speak in front of the room first before they had a chance to go out and maybe embarrass themselves on the pitch or something <laughs> like <laughs> yes. it, it broke the ice nicely you know and i think we've got a we have a huge responsibility to manage their expectations for those situations and explain to them quite clearly look you're going to train with the seniors but you know your first cap mightn't be till next year, and the, our academy manager here, Peter, will will do that very well as well. Where he'll sit down with a player as soon as they come in, is like, what do you expect to do this year? And a guy might turn around and is like, oh, I'll expect to play for you know three or four pro fourteen. And if that's a realistic goal, we'll we'll back that and we'll say, yeah, we we would back you on that. But we might turn around to him and say, look. That's probably not the case this year. You know, look at the profile of the players that are ahead of you. There's seven or eight players maybe in, in, in that position. So, you know, you concentrate on club, you concentrate on your our Celtic Cup League or A League, and then you know, we'll aim for next September preseason as being your first senior senior feature. You know, and managing that expectation is huge because guys will just start to stress if they don't know what's happening or they don't know what's around the corner, if they don't know what the coaches are thinking about them again, they'll just they'll just stress and it'll just it'll not help their development. Whereas if they know exactly That, all right, this is what's expected of me. I'm going to play A League, I'm going to play Club League, and be ready for next September then to play my first senior pre season
2: game. Yes, Um, Rob, the the real life example, I suppose, is like the last couple of weeks we've had a number of young academy players playing with the senior squads in the Pro 14, and like they've started and they've come off the bench. But I suppose prior to that, they've had that process and system of drip feeding into training. yeah, some of them have been training with us for a good few weeks before those two games, so it isn't like a massive shock to them when they come up and they're training with the senior team for the first time, and then they're playing the weekend. Like they've had a number of exposures to, I guess, the intensity of senior training and even the meetings and the, just the, t- the full day stresses of a senior player. So it isn't like a huge shock to the system when when they do end up playing for for Lancelot.
0: So we're just gonna take a very quick break in the chat with Peter and Joe, hope you enjoyed part one. So over in part two, we discuss how Leinster Academy and seniors work together in terms of physically preparing Um, the academy to make the jump up into seniors and in respect of monitoring and uh, tracking the load which uh, these guys these younger guys are exposed to trying to marry up the two so that jump isn't as big physically so really interesting chat coming up in part two but just before we dig into part two i want to say a big thanks to black box fitness for sponsoring this episode today so, Black Box Fitness are a specialist gym manufacturer based in Belfast in Northern Ireland. Have kitted out many, many gyms over the UK, but also abroad in Dubai, in Australia, and America. Uh, everywhere you can think of, Black Box are infiltrating. So if you are interested in bars, plates, any little bits and bobs that you want to add to your um, current provision in your facility, or you want a full gym fit out, make sure you check out Black Box Fitness, and you can head over to the website to see some of the projects they have going on, Uh, and they are at blkboxfitness.com, but a... Just as good a place to start is over on Instagram which, where, where they show some of their uh, recent projects and you can catch them on Instagram at BLKBoxFitness. So make sure you check them guys out. Also, big thanks to Hawking Dynamics for also sponsoring this episode today. So Hawking Dynamics offer the world's first wireless force plate testing system. So, the Hawking Dynamics system is built around what coaches want so they can test in the real world and not just in the lab. So, you're able to capture reliable data on all athletes in a matter of minutes and monitor progress from their cloud based system from anywhere in the world. Head over to their website, uh, which is hawkingdynamics.com, um, which you can I mean, you can also schedule a demo and follow them on Twitter at hawkingdynamics. So, Joe, you mentioned about profiling players. That brings us on to our next topic. Would you mind just talking us through what that looks like in reality?
1: Yeah, like without without getting bogged down and supposed to you know the normal S stuff. It's profiling a player is both physical. Mental, moral, and all that, but I think the, the the main thing we need to do for the player is, is clear the mist. You know, when we're when we're speaking to coaches about a player, I think we have to be as colourful as possible. You know, so the play the senior coaches understand the player in and out. You know, they understand you know all the context about the player, the player's playing experience. You know, um, his training age, where he comes from, what has he been exposed to before. But then, for speaking to a player, it's quite the opposite. I think we have to be very black and white. And um, I think the first. When we sit down and profile a player, like you obviously we'll do from an SSE perspective, we will have a certain number of standards that we want: strength, speed, conditioning, body fat wise of a player exiting the sub academy and starting the academy. And then by the end of year two, year three, we would want to hit certain benchmarks as well to physically prepare them for the senior squad. But then we have also need the player also needs to be quite clear on on where his own strengths are. You know, so when I speak about clear in the mist, I suppose the first question we'll always ask a player here is you know why are you here as in why have Leinster picked you what is your strength what is your what is your weapon for want of a better word you know so that they know exactly what that is you know and like if that is say ball carrying or is that you know beating a defender on the outside then I suppose from a for a confidence perspective we work on that a lot and we bring a lot of our S&C talk or back to that example you know, and that'll keep the player quite motivated as well. And it'll also mean his motivation will be very self determined in the sense that he'll want to work on that, you know, he'll have ownership over that. Um, you know, he'll have the confidence to work on that, you know, and he can relate to that, you know. So we would do that with our players first and foremost. And then we would also question it. maybe what are they not good at, you know. So and is their weakness is their weakness so obvious that it's actually keeping them off the pitch? Because if it's not, then I think you're still If it's not, you're probably best just to sort of continue working on his strengths because that's what's going to get him on the pitch. He's here for a reason or he's here because a coach sees something that they really like, you know, and you just want, you know, Get a player to a level where he can use that weapon more often in training or maybe in in a in an A game and coach will see it there and then he'll bring him into senior training, he'll see it there again, and then he eventually throw him on a pro fourteen squad and he can finally use it again there. You know, so I suppose profiling a player starts there, you know. So it's not just a physical profile. You know, a player will get a lot of confidence from getting that sort of feedback as well. And I think that's probably worth more than telling them, Oh, look, you're really strong, you're a really good squatter. You know, it's it's probably better to say like you know, you're really good. You're really good ball carrier. Your, your leg drive is excellent in the contact. You know, and that comes from your really good squat. You know, and if you were to maybe combine that with with a little bit of extra speed or whatever that is, then that's going to bring that on no end. You know, and I think a player will buy into that a lot quicker than you sitting down and just, you know talking about a force flossy curve too you know what i mean so i think it's it 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 clears the mists, you know it makes it it go that oh okay if i do this and i get better at this strength exercise i'll get better at this it'll have a direct impact on my rugby so it's quite a holistic profile do you do any psychological profiling with the the young lads um wouldn't i wouldn't say psychological we what, what we do do in um and I suppose it's it's done it's done in the RFU quite a bit is um, a personality profile, you know. So we do an insights profile, you know, and I think what that does for the player is, you know, it sees it sees their sort of like baseline or their, their everyday characteristics. So whether it's, um, I don't know if you're aware of the Insights profile, but it, it categorized people into sort yeah, of four yeah. dominant quarters of like, you know, red, red, blue, yellow, green. And once a player is kind of aware of where he stands, you know, and where maybe the head coach stands and, you know, or, or what color I am, then they soon learn how to, how to communicate. And they're a lot more aware of their own sort of um, communication styles, you know, and their own behavior. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a psychological profile as such, just be that, you know, but we would also have a lot of, you know, we don't, we wouldn't have a sports psych in here, but we we would get people that would come in and maybe speak about culture and standards and, you know, that sort of thing as well, you know, and I think the psychological profile, you you will soon pick that up. Like, I think the onus is on us too, you know, to really understand the players, really, really to get to know the players, you know, because we, we do a lot of screening or we do a lot of monitoring digitally, but like we do forget that we miss, we miss the non-verbals, you know, through a lot of that. And you, you miss the, you know, you weren't, you're not going to pick up psychological traits, you know, doing your morning wellness every day with a player. I think, the onus is on us to, is to build a, a very good rapport with the player. So once we know, like, if we know a player is red in that personality profile or he's yellow, then we know what's going to make him tick, you know? Or if he's blue, we know what's going to make him tick. You know, we, we know he's probably going to be a little bit more detailed and organized. And the yellow guy is going to need a, a warmer welcome in the morning when he comes in, you know? So I suppose that's sort of profiling a player to a degree as well. But the onus, the onus is on us then to really get to
0: know the player i I'm guessing you're a blue. <laughs> yeah, I actually am uh, blue. What am I? I'm, I'm mixed enough, actually. Uh, a
2: little bit of, a little bit of red and yellow and uh, green as well. But if you can guess from uh, Joey's pure green, yeah, I'm like a prime. I'm a primary school teacher, actually. I actually, was going to be a primary school teacher. <laughs> I didn't get the points in co- in uh, secondary school, so that led me down here. But yeah, um, yeah so we. Actually, like, it's actually funny. We um, the staff got it done as well. So even. As a performance department, so physio and SNC and rehab, we actually have quite a good mix of people. So um, after we all did it, we just put it onto like the one wheel just to see where everybody sat. And like, we have people that, like Joe, that are in the green. We also have people that are blue, that are very detailed. Uh, a few red and yellow characters as well. But I think one of the things that we're like, our department seems to work well because we have a good blend of different types of people. And now that we understand that as well, it, it helps with communication between, you know, senior physio, academy, SNC, Nutritionist, everything else. So, the kind of the team works well together. I think, yeah, and,
1: and knowing that knowing that's critical as well because we talk about you know um, team communication and player communication on and off the pitch, but like coach communication is equally as valuable. You know, especially to a long term development of a of an academy from the sub academy transition into academy to transitioning into a senior. Like if the communication between coaches isn't streamlined there, then that long term athlete development doesn't work because people tend to stay in stay in maybe a silo. You know, so you're the sooner we know each other uh, as, well as,
0: as well as the player, the better, you know. Mm, absolutely. So I'll come to you on this one, Pete. I don't know if it's the best place to start so we might revert back to Joe on the academy side of things. But last little topic around, um, around matching loads that are going on in the senior sessions, the loads that are happening in the, in the academy sessions. Just want to talk to a little bit about that streamlining and that kind of integration.
2: Sure, yeah, like I suppose this season we had the first Celtic Cup campaign and I suppose that's a good example of where we actually had two different training squads for a couple of weeks in the season just because there were so many players. Um, But what we had was obviously GPS for both, or for all of our senior academy guys. So when when the academy or the Celtic Cup side were training, we could actually compare what they were doing to our senior training. Now it's hard to replicate obviously because like the senior players and senior intensity is one level, but to try replicate that as best as we can in a Celtic Cup or an A training, it it was the goal. Um, So even for Leo, he would be very keen on keeping an eye on anybody who isn't training, say, with him in the senior squad. So he'd look at all of those uh, academy or sub-academy guys and see what they're tolerating, because also some of the senior guys dropped back to that Celtic Cup side to train and play games. So the confidence for him knowing, and Stuart knowing, and, and Charlie knowing that, okay, those guys, even when they're not training with the senior squad, are actually... Uh, like say being exposed to comparable loads to the senior guys. So when they come back to the senior squad or if an A player, academy player plays well in a Celtic cup game and he's going to get rewarded by a pro 14 cap, that he's ready to do that physically as well. So um, those are one of the things I think Joe did. And as an academy coaching team did very well this year, like they were very conscious of it as well. So I think the credit goes to Joe and also to the academy rugby coaches, because they're actually quite, they're very uh, on top of this stuff, and they're very receptive to, you know, us discussing lows and, and everything else. So Simon, for example, one of the coaches, like he'd be very good at trying to adapt some drills and, you know, getting feedback on other drills, seeing you know what type of exposures these players are getting in in, um, in those sessions as well. So excellent. So how,
1: go on, mate? Sorry. Yeah, no, I don't think I was going to add anything to that uh, per se. Um, like I think it's. I think the practical side of that is critical as well, you know, that, you know, there is a system in place that, you know, myself and Peter would sit down, you know, whether it's a Monday morning, it's a Wednesday, you know, midweek after the last training session, and it's a Friday morning again to get that balance between, we'll say... Senior players, A players, non-select players, and returning to play players, so that you know we're actually making sure that it's quite an even playing field in terms of load across the board. There, you know, so if the team is training, we'll say on a Monday and a Tuesday, then they might be separated into an A squad and a senior squad. Then there's a meeting set up straight away then for myself and Peter Wednesday morning or Tuesday evening to go right where we're at in terms of, you know, acute chronic load for both squads, you know, high-speed running or high-speed efforts for for both squads. And it might be a case then that going into Thursday's session, I know that my A-side has done too much or done too little. And practically speaking, then, you know, we have an intervention then with the coaches, you know, and we, and we correct that, you know, and then that'll lead into maybe captain's run probably won't be interfered with but your subs and your non-selects or your 24th man on match day then there's a system in place then that that we've met again on a friday to go where are we at with this group of players now so it might be we might might have to do some very high speed at the end of the warm-up with our, our non-selects or we might have to do two conditioning blocks with our subs or we might have a off time that if a sub doesn't play more than 20 we have a a, a system in place then you know, so that we're constantly communicating myself and Pete then, and the coaches to make sure that loads are kept even and optimal.
2: I think Rob, one of the things like obviously the communication between us is really important, but um even between the players themselves, I think, which we probably haven't touched on too much here, but like w- we would try be like very, or we would try communicate very well to the players. So the example I had was like I think it was last season, the season before. Uh, one of the academy players was getting his first senior start, so we've been capped before. But uh, he came to me asking just for some feedback, like GPS wise. He wasn't asking for numbers or specifics, but he basically wanted to know was, he, was his training intensity higher than the first half of match? Now, I actually never have thought to look at first half intensity as even a metric, but he came asking for it. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, look, I'll have a look for you. And basically just showed him a chart of the last, like, say, six weeks that he was training senior squad. And I was like, look, you're, you're operating at a level that's quicker than the first half of the game. And all he wanted was a confidence in knowing that, because then all he had to worry about, then, or not worry about, but all he had to focus on was just the rugby stuff. So I just thought I just thought there was really good use of like GPS, as opposed to worrying too much about metrics and figures and stuff. All the player wanted was a little bit of confidence going into the game, saying, Okay, look, you from what you've done in training, you're fit enough to 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 handle the demands of a senior Pro 14 game. And like I just saw like the the lift of like relief and stress off his shoulders because he just had that one confidence statement. He was like, Okay, I'm fit enough. Uh, we can just focus on tactics and rugby stuff and it's just i thought that was really good use for for gbs uh-huh. yeah and i suppose that that can tie into rob if i could jump in there on like
1: just overall physical confidence is huge as as pete give a, a, an example there but like that might be you know you might need to paint that picture across the board too say if a guy sets a pb and a clean you go all of a sudden and you know if he cleans 100 kilos and, he, and he's weighing 85 kilos like you're you're giving him a, a bum tap, going, "Congratulations," you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. you're you're painting the picture as well, going, "Look, I'd back you now." To- stop a player on the line you know what I mean or if if there was players running at you all day I would back you to chop them all day because (laughs) you know if a small winger is running at you and you tackle him 50 times you're still nowhere near your 1RM on your clean you know what I mean if he weighs 90 kilos and it's pretty it's pretty simple picture you know and it's probably not that accurate but like confidence he'll get from that you know and um, or even if players are rating themselves in terms of strength and I had it recently there we did Another group of um, IPPs, which is our our individual player profiles. But, you know, I had a couple of second rows, back rows, and front rows coming into me, and they rated themselves, you know, one out of five on their speed. So it was red. And I was like, I was like, what are you comparing that to? It's like, oh, my top speed's only whatever, you know, 8.5 meters per second. I was like, but you're a second row. Like, what is speed to a second row? And, um, (laughs) you know, and it's just like, you know, it's like our agility, and they measure their agility, and they give it a one out of five. And I'm like, Man, you always break the game line when you're playing. You know what I mean? Your leg drive is excellent, you know, you've missed very few tackles. That's agility. You know what I mean? As a you stepping a player or beating a player or, you know, defending against a player, that's that's you moving quite agile there, you know. So and it's just giving them that reassurance, that physical confidence to go that okay, I'm actually in a good place here. And um, you have to compare that, you know, there's times you have to compare that directly to players ahead of them as well. So senior players and go, where would you rate your speed versus this particular player? So that you're you're evening the, the playing field as such by comparing them to a player in the same position. You know, and you could use that both ways to show how big the gap is or how narrow the gap is to a
2: player, you know. I think I mean, all that comes just from a bit of knowledge from them, Rob. And even like Joe did a very good thing earlier on the season with the new Academy guys. He basically just sat them down and sort of explained a lot of things. So he explained the GPS thing to them because we want, like, we GPS guys when they go to club training, stuff like that. And he just said, like, you know, this is what we're doing through information. Like, we, we're using it to help manage you so that we can bring you to tolerate the physical loads of a, of a senior training week or a senior training season. And this is why we're telling you to wear it. This is why we're topping you up. This is why we're doing all these extra little sessions with you. And, like, I think they all – that resonated with them a lot, and they kind of get it now, and, like, they seem to interact and understand the information, not just GPS, but, like Joe was referring to, like, the agility stuff, the max speed. So the knowledge thing, I think, there is, uh, is pretty important as well. Yeah, and the guys, guys take a lot of
1: confidence from achieving that too, like, because, you know, if – you know, the deluxe model is a guy coming to me maybe after a game and go, I need to do a run. I don't think my load is high enough, and it, it does happen, and it, it's great when it does happen. But even just in general, that you know, a guy doesn't feel punished when you're topping him up, you know, or if a guy is not being selected, you know, you're going to him, and you you know, if you're quite integral and you have you have clear standards on what you want out of your S and C program from a from an on feet perspective you know, guys Guys will appreciate that, you know. So it's not a case that, you know, you're taking the subs out for a run in an empty stadium after a game or you're topping him up on a Friday when he's not picked. He knows why now. He knows it's to keep his load ready and he knows that you're having that short-term readiness in your head all the time. And so if I'm bringing a player out on a Friday and he's he's not, you know, we've seen the first team off on the bus, we've seen the A squad off on the bus and next it's just me and him left left here in in, in um uh, in UCD then he knows why we're, we're we're running this evening you know it's know that if he's needed next week he's physically primed he's physically ready to go in you know and then he can just focus on the rugby
0: excellent one, one last thing before I let you go because I'm conscious that you need to shoot off in terms of the coaches who are getting their sessions manipulated based on the to, to match the or try your best to match the, the loads of the, the the seniors how's that dynamic work and it, I suppose it comes back to the long term development versus short term readiness. How are the coaches with that? Are they happy with how you deal like, with that situation? So
2: specifically, the academy coaches, like we're not, we're never going to like. Steph and Joe aren't going to write a session. That's that's their yeah, job. I've yeah, yeah. You know, we we take like we're the ones planning the content and so like that. But I guess the the adjustments that we can make, say for example, say if a, if the backs are doing a certain drill. Like, myself and Joe sit down down going, look, oh, I think the, the back's the last session. We're a little bit low on high-speed running. Let's, you know, chat to Simon, who's in, who's doing that drill at the time. You know, we, we might extend the distance in that drill by, you know, 10 meters length to 5 meters width. And that just creates... So it's still his drill, his content, his scenarios, and the coach's scenarios. But, like, we've just sort of adapted the drill slightly to achieve certain physical parameters that we want. Um, it's a work in progress. I mean, I don't think by any means... We're perfect at it, but the coaches here, from senior to academy, are all all excellent. I wouldn't have a bad word to say about them. Um, from a training point of view as well, like their the content and the intensity and the scenarios and decision making stuff that they bring to the table in training. We're just trying to make sure that what they do physically in those scenarios and in those training drills are reflective of
0: what they need to do before they go play a match. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, uh, like I said before, I know you guys have to shoot off. Do you get? Uh, where's the best place to catch you guys on social media before I let you go? Joe Joe's big on Twitter. Yes, he's huge. He's absolutely <laughs> yeah. huge. Do you know your Twitter? Uh, unfortunately,
1: I do. I do. Have, I, I wouldn't even know the name of the handle now. To be honest, uh, I think it's I think it's Joey McGinley or McGinley Joey. I think it's I think it's that. Yeah, so. You'll soon soon see my big head if you if you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I guess like we're always look we're always open for discussion and everything. So I mean, if if anyone wants to reach out, that's yes, yeah, um, yeah, that's definitely. You can send on an email or anything. Absolutely, yeah. Look, I wouldn't be I
1: wouldn't be very active on social media, but yeah, love love when people reach out and chat. You know, and and anyone in any sort of background of of SNC or or high performance of that, um, always always love to chat.
0: Beautiful. Well, thank you very much, guys, for. for getting early and um and jumping on and having a little chat so we'll yeah really appreciate it and um we'll keep in touch and speak to you both soon cheers rob thanks for your problems that's brilliant thanks a million rob thanks guys Thanks for tuning in to episode 223 of the Pacey Performance Podcast, I hope you enjoyed the chat with Peter and Joe. Big thanks to these guys for uh, creating time in their diary at half past seven in the morning to come on and chat about all things Leinster Rugby. So also big thanks to Hawking Dynamics, to I You, Black Box Fitness and Eccentric for sponsoring this episode today. So I've got some cool guests coming up over the next couple of weeks, make sure you press subscribe on your chosen podcast player and I will speak to you next week.